Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Merry Christmas, Jubilee Church. My name is Brian Mowry, and it is an honor to be one of your pastors, and it is, uh, I'm very excited, it's, it's an honor, glad, happy to share with you the good news of Jesus, specifically in this Advent season as we anticipate his second coming and reflect on his first coming when he was born as a baby in a, man- in a manger full of majesty, yet also with the humility of a peasant. And one of the things recorded in Luke 2 that Linus said, oh, I mean, the angel said, is that, <laughs> says, I bring you good, great tidings of good joy, that I, this is for all people. This is good news for all people. And now, when we read all people, some of us may think, well, not all people, maybe some people, but not, but not all people. This may be good for good news for, the, for them, but it's not good news for me. You don't know my situation. So in this series, this Advent series, we want to take a look at a few categories of people who might count themselves out, who don't see how this is good news for all people, or maybe not clearly see how it practically works out for them. So we are going through five different groups. Last week was joy to the poor. This week is joy to the anxious Are there any anxious people in the room? Is there anyone in the room that's beset with worry about something, anxious about, you know, what the holidays are going to bring, anxious about what you're going to get someone, or anxious about what someone's going to get you? Let's be honest, okay? And so so what I want to do is I want to walk through, like, how uh, this is good news, because Jesus is going to show us why we no longer have to be anxious. Can you believe that? It's possible to live in such a way to be free of worry, free of anxiousness. So we're going to walk through this text, and he's going to show us um, where our anxiousness comes from, where our worry comes from, uh, why it is, and how we can uh, get rid of it. And I'm just going to go ahead and cut to the chase. I'm going to give you the bottom line, and then we'll work our way back to this. Jesus is going to say this, very profound. What we are anxious about reveals what we are most devoted to. What we are anxious about reveals what we are most devoted to. The things that we are most devoted to determine what we worry the most about. What we worry about reveal what we are most devoted to. The thing that you are anxious about, the thing that you worry about, is a big sign in your life that points to, this is what I'm devoted to. That's what our worry speaks about us. That's what our anxiousness speaks about us. We often don't think about this because we often put worry in the world of emotion, right? And uh, we put devotion in the world of the will, but Jesus brings these two things together, uh, our devotion and our worry. So if you want to know what drives your anxiousness, if you want to know, why am I so worried about this? It points to your greatest Devotion. Let me illustrate it this way. And maybe this is going to be, I don't know, maybe you're going to be offended by this. Maybe you don't want to hear this coming from a pastor, but I want to confess something. If you promise not to tell anyone, I'm going to confess something. I don't worry about your job. Ever. I don't, because I've never devoted myself to your job. Now, 
If, if you email me and you tell me that your job is in jeopardy, if you tell me that you may lose your job or you've lost your job, you, I will pray with you. If you're part of this membership, I'll make sure community is around you, loving you, caring for you. We'll, we'll even help you out financially. But if I ever, do I worry about your job? No. I've never worried about your kids' grades. I've never worried about, I'm not devoted to your kids' I'm concerned about it. I hope they get into that school. I hope they do well. You know, if there's a crisis, again, I, I want to pray with you and help you and all that. But I don't worry about your kids' education. My worry, my anxiousness is, devo- is, is tied to what I am most devoted to. Like, do I have enough running back depth on my fantasy team to really make <laughs> a push... That's not true. It's not, far, it's not far from the truth, but. <laughs> your worry reflects your core devotion. Your worry reflects your core. And the question is, Jesus is going to ask us, he's brilliant. He's going to ask us this question. What if you shifted your devotion? What would happen to your worry? What would happen to your anxious thoughts? Well, we're going to find out. Matthew 6, 24, he says, this is, the, this, is the, this is the statement this is the, that he's going to build upon. No one can serve two masters, for he or she will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be what? Devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus is saying there's a point in your life where these two things are going to intersect, and you're going to have to choose. What's first? What's second? What's your greatest devotion? Is it God? Or is it money? What money can bring is you know, ha- money can bring happiness and, and comfort and security and vacations and stuff. Now, I'm sure for a lot of us, they both seem pretty important, right? You know, if you're a Christian, you probably would say that God is important. If you're a human being, you'd probably say money's important. The issue isn't what is important. The issue is what is first. What are you devoted to? Well, if you follow the breadcrumbs of your worry, you'll find out. And that's exactly where he goes next. Verse 24, verse 25. Therefore, now when you see a therefore in the Bible, it's connecting two thoughts. So he's not starting a new, something new. He's, com- he's connecting, he's trying to communicate why what he just said is true and he's illustrating it. So he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Well, that's kind of general. Could you be more specific? Yes, I can. Do not be anxious about what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Isn't life more than these things? Now, again, these are things that his audience would have been worried about very much day to day, woke up wondering, are we going to eat? Very much, clothes are very expensive, very much wondering, what are we going to wear? I mean, when we say, I don't have a thing to wear, we don't really mean we don't have a thing to wear. We just don't like anything that we have to wear. They actually meant it, okay? So if Jesus was speaking to us, he, he would address our worries. He may say something like this. Don't worry about your industry. I tell you, don't worry about your career path. Don't worry about your retirement. Don't worry about your kids' academic or um, athletic success. Don't worry about your marital status. Why? Because they're not important? No, no, no. He's, in fact, he's going to say the exact opposite. His point isn't that your career, your retirement, your kids, your education, your marital status, that those things are important. They are important. 
But there's uncertainty to all of those things. And in some cases, as many of us have learned, it's not going to work out all perfect and fine. But you still don't have to worry about it. There is a way to face the uncertainty of tomorrow without the worry of today. There really, there's a way to face the uncertainty of tomorrow without the worry of today. And then he asks, isn't life more than these things? And all he's trying to do is to give us some perspective. Because what we do, we get so hyper-focused on that one thing. And we get panicky about it. And so he asks us, isn't life more than your job? Well, well, yeah, I guess you're right. It's more. Well, isn't life more than your marital status? Well, yeah. And he's trying to give us some perspective. And then he says something really odd, almost insensitive. Look at the birds. What? What do you mean, look at the birds? I'm trying to find a house, trying to find a spouse. I'm trying to get a career. Like, what do you mean? Look, I don't have time to look at the birds. To which Jesus, what I would think would have said, are you done? Because I have something I want to tell you. I want to I show you something that's deeper in your life. And he's not just saying, hey, don't worry, like get control of your emotions, you know, snap out of it as any Moonstruck fans in here? No? Okay. Um, one over here. Um, He's not just saying get in control of your, mona, uh, of your emotions, and he's not just discounting it all. You know, just get a surfboard and a latte and just chill out, man. Like, he's not saying that. He's trying to get deeper to our core desires. He's trying to get deeper. He's trying to help us understand how we work and how to make the most of our life. Your path in life is determined by your devotion. Not your intention, but your devotion. Your path is determined by your devotion, and your devotion is uncovered by what you worry about. And he just said, I just want to give you some perspective before it's too late. So consider the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? He takes care of them. He's going to take care of you. And then verse 27, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. You see, there's something about money that makes us feel like we can control our future. He's like, you can't even add an hour to your life. What do you mean? Like, why do you, you think that if you get a good education and a good job and you got a prudent savings plan that somehow you can control it? Consider we live in this blue and green planet we call Earth, you know, it's traveling through space at 67,000 miles an hour while spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, which is why you should always wear a seatbelt. And every second, every second, the sun supplies the Earth with 4 million tons of energy. And within an 11-year sun cycle, this level of energy varies less than one-tenth of 1%. All from 93 million miles away. 92 million miles away, no life on Earth. 94 million miles away, no life on Earth. Tilted at 23.5 degrees, that is due to the gravitational pull. 40% it gets from the sun, 60% it gets from the moon, 
degree tilt, no life on earth. 25 degree tilt, no life on earth. Our atmosphere consists of 21% oxygen, 19% no life on earth, 25% no life on earth. The ocean is 3.4% salt. Your blood is 3.4% salt, 4% salt in the ocean or your blood, no life. Uh, 3% no life. And then one day you and I will fall through a trap door called death either into an eternity called hell or into the loving arms of a savior. But you think you can control your life with a paycheck? So let's consider the birds for a second, all right? They neither toil, uh, they neither sow nor reap. They're not even trying. They don't even have a 401k. They don't have an iPhone. They don't have any of this. They don't have a college education. They don't follow their kids around and make sure everything's okay. In fact, here's their parenting strategy. They go to the highest point they can and then plop, they get kick them out of the nest. You, you are made in my image, he's saying. Not only that, when I sent a savior, I didn't send a bird or a rare species. I sent one of you. Are you not more valuable than the birds? Most important question you'll ever answer in your life, who is Jesus? Second most important question that you'll ever answer that will change your life, and I'm not kidding, is your answer to this question, are you more valuable than the birds? Are you? Let's do a little liturgy. Repeat after me, I believe that I am more valuable than the birds. I believe that I am more valuable than the birds. You have been bought with a price. You know what that price is? The blood of Jesus. Still not convinced? Well, consider the lilies. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith. And when it says little, it doesn't mean amount. It means duration. It means like, Okay, we just confessed that we believe that we're more valuable than the birds. See how long that lasts. Till fear begins to strike our heart. And we wonder, will he really take care of us? You know what worry is? Worry is a frustrated aspiration to omniscience. The idea that I know, I know and I'm afraid that God won't get it right. So I worry. Proverbs 3, you probably know this verse if you've been in church for a while. Kids probably memorize it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not. Don't prop yourself up on your own understanding. But in all your ways, your marriage ways, your financial ways, your career ways, your parenting ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path obvious. You see, there's some things about God. I don't know if you ever thought about it. There's some things about God that he can't do. 
So he is omniscient. He is all, he, um, all omniscient. He's all, all knowledge. He knows all knowledge. He has all knowledge. He's omniscient. He can't think like we think. Nothing's ever occurred to him. He, he, can't, he can't learn. He, he's all-knowing. Um, he has immutability, which means he cannot change. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He can't. He can't. He can't change. He's also preeminent, which means he cannot be second. It's not that he will not be second. He cannot be second. He cannot be second. When God is not the center of your world, when he's not first in your life, you are, you're not syncing your life up with how the world really works. This is why you worry. That's why I worry. And then, so he's got these two amazing analogies. One to address, see, there's two, there's two uh, promises that money makes that God also makes. One is money says, I will make you happy and I will make you secure. I will make you happy and I will make you secure. And Jesus in these analogies appeals to both of us. Uh, those who, who are savers with, and want to be secure and those who are spenders and want happiness, who want, who are, so he's like, look, I'm not just concerned about your future. I'm also concerned about how you think about yourself. Will I have enough money to buy that, that phone, that car, that house to make me feel a certain way? He cares about that. So he addresses the, you know, the birds in the air. They're not thinking about it. They're just doing what they do. Your future is going to be taken care of. And I'm going to, I'm going to make you beautiful and happy. See, there's spenders and there's savers, and they tend to get married, right? <laughs> and in God's providence, in his weird predetermined will, he brings them together, and they both have the same problem with money, just manifest differently. But the whole concept, though, what he, what, that he's communicating here with both the birds and the grass, which creation screams, is that God is a God of abundance. And there's going to be more tomorrow, and there's going to be more today, and there's going to be more, and there's going to be more, and there's going to be more. This is, the Bible screams about this. You know, you, you follow the, the people of, of God and through the desert. And you read in Exodus about how they were, they needed food. So God makes it rain bread, manna from the, from the earth. I mean, just abundant. And he, here's what he says. He literally says, eat all that you can. Eat all that you can. Eat all that you can. And don't worry about tomorrow. Guess what they did? Oh my gosh, it's raining bread. I better control my situation. We do the same thing. God, everything. If you're a Christian, here's one of the things you believe. Everything comes from God. He's a source of everything. He makes it rain. He, keeps, he holds the world together. He determines times and dates. So I wasn't born on some mountain in Tibet. I was born in the United States that comes with certain privileges. He did, he did that. My, you know, whatever ambition, whatever savvy, whatever smart, he gave you all of that. Everything comes from him. So in the garden, abundance, he says, I'm going to give you all of these trees that you can eat from except one. And you know where he put it? 
put it in the middle of the garden. You know what that means? It means they had to walk by abundance, 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 abundance to get to the thing that they lacked. But what they lacked wasn't provision. What they lacked is the ability to control their life. And they took it. God does something very similar, by the way, with finance. This isn't a message on tithing, by the way, but let me just explain the tithe. So God owns everything. God fills our life with abundance and he puts a tree. He puts, he put, he says, okay, I want, I want you to set aside 10% to demonstrate to your heart that I own it all and I'm first in your life. And the tithe isn't just 10%, it's, it's, it has to be first. So it's, it's the thing. It's my, you're my devotion. I'm making you first. You can, have all, you can have all the rest. Do whatever you want with the rest, but not this. What do we do? I want this. Sinful man always responds to fear of scarcity and does not believe that God loves them and is a God of provision. In fact, that's where he goes next. Verse 21, he says, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Let's be honest. I'm not really, we're not really concerned about we, we're concerned about me. So what shall me eat? What shall me drink? What shall me wear? He says, the Gentiles think this way. You know, the Gentiles is basically someone, someone who doesn't know that they have a father in heaven who loves them. People who believe that they don't have a father in heaven who loves them lives this way. So in other words, when you live this way, you are living as though God doesn't exist. A practical atheist. For your father in heaven knows that you what? What is it? Go ahead. Need. You need them. He knows this. I believe that I am more valuable than the birds. He knows that you need these things. So don't be anxious about it. Anxiety is saying that you don't have my best in mind. Yes, you've emptied heaven of its greatest treasure, Jesus, but I'm not sure you can handle my week. But you know that you have a father in heaven who loves you. He knows that these things are important. He knows that you need them. So why are you worrying? Jesus, I don't want to worry. But, but <laughs> I'm trying not to worry. But trying not to worry is like trying to fall asleep when you can't fall asleep. You know, it's like, how do you do that? Which is why his answer to worry is not to stop worrying. His answer to worry is that you have to redirect your devotion. You have to redirect what is first in your life. That's where he goes next. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Righteousness according to Romans, um, or the kingdom of God according to Romans 14, 17 is righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things, what things? 
your kids' education, um, your future, your career, your, all these things, they will be added to you. They'll be added to you. Queen Elizabeth, the first one, the first one, the 16th century Queen Elizabeth, needed a, a particular set of skills. So asked this, this business guy, hey, I need you to go over the new world for me and, take, and go on this voyage and, and take care of some things. And his business was very week to week. He says, I can't go because my business is failing. And Queen Elizabeth very famously said, if you mind my business, I will mind yours. And he's like, well, if the queen of, of England, who's got all this power and authority and resource, says that, you know, if I mind her, she'll be, of course I will go. Beloved, the God of the universe says the exact same thing. If you mind my business, if you put me at the center of your life, I will mind your business. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. Let me do that for you. Cast your anxieties on him for he cares for you. He cares for you. He loves you. He loves you. So what you do is you very practically is to seek his kingdom. In fact, Jesus taught us a prayer, didn't he? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, on my earth, on my little dirt. Thy kingdom come on my earth as it is in heaven. So you pray that prayer. You, you, you get out your bills, you get out your retirement accounts, your plans for a dream home, vacation, kids, whatever it is. Whatever you would say is something that causes you to worry, that causes you concern, that causes you any sense of anxiety. And you, and you get down and say, God, you know. I know that you know. I know that you know how important my kids are. I know that you know how important this job is. I know you know how important like our, our future and our, and our provision. I know that you know that these things are important, but I have decided, I am making the decision that I am not going to seek those things first. I am making the decision that I am going to seek your kingdom first and have it invade not just the world, but my world. I have decided to, to seek your kingdom first and where I live second. I've decided to seek your kingdom first and my kids' education second. I've decided to seek your kingdom first and my retirement second. I have decided to seek your kingdom first and my lifestyle second. In other words, I have decided to transfer my devotion. I will sit down at the beginning of every year and every month and every week and every day, and I will look at my finances and my, the things that cause me to worry and to the best of my ability. I will seek your kingdom first. And when I'm tempted to run and hide, when I'm tempted to give in to fear, I'm going to pray your will be done. You promise to take care of me. You promise to give me everything that I need. You promise to supply all of my needs according to yours, not mine, but your riches and glory. You promised to give me a sufficiency in all things. I will seek your kingdom first and I will trust you for everything else second. 
and watch what happens to your worry. When people make this transfer of devotion, I've seen it a hundred times. Philippians says that there's a peace that comes to you that passes all your understanding. Maybe nothing in your circumstances get better. In fact, they may get worse. But something inside of you happens, this transfer of devotion, that it's a peace that comes on you that passes all men's understanding, which means that it doesn't make sense that you have peace. That's what it means. And you stop worrying, not by getting control of your emotions, but by changing your devotion. God, I want you to be glorified through the expansion of your kingdom. I don't care what happens to me as long as you shine bright through me. I treasure you more than I treasure my stuff because you treasured me more than you treasured your life. So there are two, there's people who, there are two kinds of people. There are people who believe in God and there are people who believe God. And there is a difference. I've sat down with people, hey, do you believe God? Yes, I believe God. Are you willing to wait for a spouse that is a believer? Silence. I believe, do you believe in God? Yes, I believe in God. Can you write the check? No. There's a difference between believing in God and believing God. You can be a spender, you can be a saver, a saver, or you can be a steward, which is that you see that, which means that you know that everything that comes your way is from God, and you steward according to to his will. So verse 34, we'll just end with this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day, it's its own trouble. Don't worry about tomorrow. Why, Jesus? Because tomorrow has a lot of problems. That's exactly why I'm worried about tomorrow. (laughs) But tomorrow also has the God of abundance. And you can trust that he will abundantly supply your tomorrow. So put him first today and let him worry. Let him worry about your tomorrow. So that's the question. The question is, I mean, the question isn't, is God important to you? I assume you're here. God's important to you at some level. The question is, is he first? What you worry about, what you worry about, points to what you're most devoted to. You can change that. You could shift that. And watch what happens to your worry. Will you stand with me? I love in, in, in Luke's account, we read Matthew's account. In Luke's account, this actually may be in Matthew's account too.
And he says, fear not, little flock. Yeah, fear not, little flock. He knows a couple things about it. One, we're just little flock. We're so fragile. We're so fragile. And he knows that. He knows you're just a little scared sheep. He knows that. Do you know that? And he knows that this strikes fear in our hearts. That's why he says fear not. See, when the, Bible's, the Bible says fear not a lot, the reason why it says not to fear is because there is a good reason to fear. It's not, that doesn't miss him. He understands that this strikes fear in our heart. But when we shift our devotion, or whatever that thing is, even what we will eat, even what we will wear, when we shift that, that that's not our main thing, but our main thing is him, our worry goes away. Our anxiousness goes away. Father, as we approach the table here in a bit, as we consider the sacrifice of the spilled blood and broken body of Jesus. God, may we reconsider how much more valuable we are than the birds. That you take care of them, you will take care of us. And God, we just repent of our worry. We repent of our devotion. Yeah, we, we started out putting you first and I just, see, I just see so many ways in my life that you slid down the second and third and, and I can see how my worry is pointing. To, God, I, I want to put you first. Help me. Help me, Jesus. I want your kingdom to come in my life. I want you to be glorified in my life whether I have little, whether I have a lot, whether I have health, whether I'm sick, whether I'm married, whether I'm not. God, I want you to be glorified in my life. That's what I want. That's my greatest desire. That's my devotion. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to surrender. I want to give up control. I want to give up thinking that somehow I know best. I wanna give up thinking that I can add an hour to my life. I don't control tomorrow, but the one who died for me does. I just pray that you would come and speak tenderly to those of us, Lord, this whole conversation just strikes fear. Help us to release control. Help us to seek you first in all that we do. 